The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne. A lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Chris Lambert. And my name is Travis Bean, and it's season 10. Season 10 of Watching the Throne. Who knew we'd ever make it this far? It's actually pretty impressive in four and a half years to have 10 seasons. <laughs> actually, it's probably the first time a podcast has ever had two season 10s. Yeah, we had a, a fake season 10 because, you know, Kanye faked us out with the initial release date for Jesus is King. <laughs> uh, he's want to do that. All that build up. Uh, we know that we might have some first time listeners here as well, uh, just joining us new to the podcast. And we just wanted to say... Here at Watching the Throne, we do a conversational but in-depth lyrical analysis that dives into the narrative and thematics of Kanye's entire discography, and going line by line, track by track, album by album, to really illuminate uh, the stories and narratives and art that he's laying out there. So it gets goofy at times, but <laughs> the analysis is top tier. <laughs> what do you mean goofy? As far as I'm concerned, it is not goofy to talk about Patrick Swayze on a Kanye West podcast. I knew you were going to go to Patrick Swayze. You always you always go to Patrick Swayze. He, it's just so easy. At three years ago, I think it was, we made up, uh, we introduced Clayzy, a clone <laughs> of Jay-Z. Well, we kind of made him up because we created him. That's that's true. That As a character clay. that recurs. Out of clay. Like a putty from Power Rangers. Exactly. And uh, it's still amazing to me whenever listeners remember Clay Z or still have like Clay Z stories. We did the the story with Did Yandi Drop and he surprised me with some Clay Z news. Wow. Yeah, that's that's epic. That, actually, that should be a requirement for all story from now on. <laughs> Make up a Clay Z or tell us a very real yeah. Clay Z story. Yeah. Tell us a story you shared with Clay Z. Real fast, the show is at an interesting crossroads moving forward because we still have all of our old episodes up and available on various platforms, but we're going to be shifting the bulk of them, and by that, what, all of them, <laughs> uh, over the course of the next like month, two months, over to Patreon. So if you're new to the show and want to catch up on old episodes, like 
now's the time to go and listen to them. If you've been a longtime listener and want to listen to your favorites, now's the time to go listen to them. But we already have all the old College Dropout episodes, and old, I mean, the ones that we just recorded in 2018 and 2019, up on our Patreon right now available to listen to. And everything from late registration through Kitsy Ghost is going to be joining it uh, little by little. So yeah, if you go to patreon.com slash Kanye podcast, you'll find a an RSS link to the new feed where you can find all the old episodes that we've done. And soon that feed will look exactly like this feed you see now. And the feed you see now will become something new. And it's still going to be substantial. We're still going to be putting out free episodes for everybody for a while. But um, this, this is just the direction we're going with the show. We feel it's necessary to give it a revamp. So all those episodes are available on Patreon for five bucks a month. Yeah, we're looking to do some cool new approaches to covering a lot of the older albums um, in 2019. So this kind of gives us the space to add those episodes uh, for free for everybody while also giving all the older material a place to still exist and for people to go back and, and listen to those episodes. In this episode today, this is our preview overview of Jesus is King. Uh, as we're getting ready to descend into the much more formal line-by-line -line lyrical analysis, we wanted to take a moment and kind of overview what we think the album is doing to this point and give a concept of what we expect to be talking about and also give some of the background information of where this album lands in Kanye's discography and the importance mm -hmm. of it and all the kind of context about it in that way. At least yeah. context that's important to us. Yeah, that's what I, I was going to say is that everyone has such incredible insight into this album. Like you hear Femi on Cole Show Dissect and he's like, he's so knowledgeable of the Bible and can like pick out specific package, passages and say how they relate to the album. And, you know, Don, the founder of The Most Unruly came on and he was doing something similar and all these people have this very specific knowledge that lends to understanding Jesus is King more. But I think what you and I are really bringing to the table is we're crazy. <laughs> we, <laughs> we follow Kanye intensely and we're very much about the art and the narrative structure. And we'll be doing research on the biblical stuff and making sure we bring all the insight we possibly can to the song by song analysis. But, you know, that's what you and I are best at and where I think we really set ourselves apart from anyone else's. We understand Kanye down to like the very bone and we know his his discography inside and out. We know the discography long narrative he's been building and how each album relates to each other. And we're going to be able to make Jesus as keen fit into not only his career, but his life in a way like nobody else will be able to. That's my inner Kanye ego coming out there. <laughs> yeah. And not not just make it fit, but because it fits, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, that's the cool thing about Kanye's discography for anybody It's kind of unfamiliar with our approach to it is you can see that each album is Kanye reflecting back on that period leading up to the album. So... The College Dropout comes out in 2004, and Kanye's really detailing his journey from 
Chicago and just working in the gap in other places to stepping into the music industry to then succeeding with the college dropouts, even though he had no idea it was going to be successful <laughs> at that time. Just, you know, a little Kanye ego going on in there. But then late <laughs> registration reflects in that period between 2004 and 2005 as he's starting to accrue fame, as he's being able to juxtapose his current lifestyle to his former lifestyle. And then graduations, that next step as he steps into superstardom. And what does that mean? How does that change him? And that just continues on and on, which makes his discography really this epic, epic movie, novel, story. It's awesome to listen to having that perspective in mind and being able to track the character journey from 2004 all the way into 2019 and see how Kanye has grown, what he's gone through, and how he dramatizes it through his art. Hmm. And speaking of those 15 years, Chris and I went on a fun little journey over the past couple of weeks, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I was in Italy for my honeymoon, and on the flight back, you know, with time travel being part of uh, moving from west or east to west, the day had seven extra hours or six extra hours to it. I was able to listen to Kanye's entire discography from that morning until the time that I got home that evening. And that was a wild journey. And you just got to do the same. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> this is probably not something you want to say as somebody who runs a Kanye podcast, but like, it's tough for me sometimes to just like sit down and listen to music like it's it, when I'm in a situation like you had on a plane like it's I'll listen to music all day but you know as I'm like going around the house and working and there's podcasts I want to listen to it's it's hard for me to like get through the mindset of just sitting down and listening to somebody's entire discography um but that's the beauty of Kanye is that once I finally started to do it it was like it was seamless it was so easy it was like watching like your favorite movie 10 times in a row or something or just like you know a bunch of like a bunch of david lynch movies like because i love david lynch you go on this journey and it's so easy and digestible and i in the con with the context of jesus is keen and everything connie's exploring on the album it really does change the experience and it made it new and exciting and i was picking out things that maybe i had thought about before but suddenly there was new light on them and made more sense and I don't know. There's just so much to say. I, I, I'm scared to even start to get into it because I feel like this is going to be a 10 hour episode. Um, but yeah, there's just so much opens up every time a new Kanye album comes out. Well, this is the time that we have to get into it. So <laughs> what, uh, what jumped out to you the most or what was the first moment where you kind of were like, Oh, okay. Here I am back at the beginning. Was it during college dropout? Was it during oh, yeah. late registration? I mean, yeah, it's right off the bat. <laughs> it's right off the bat because I, I think I think there's three big topics to get into. Three big takeaways I had that I've seen Kanye's journey on over the course of his albums. And it's his relationship with society, his relationship with fame, and then his relationship with God. And I think tied up into all of that is college dropout. Like when he set out, he was like on society side. I'm putting that in quotes because people maybe don't perceive him that way today. 
like he starts out immediately seeming for the kids you know he's talking about consumerism and all falls down he works a shitty minimum wage job at the gap like he's entrenched in the oppression of society um and he wants fame so badly that's the other runner in the album he he wants to be the biggest star in the world he wants to go out and do so much and and finally the most important one is you know god is like one of his biggest driving factors on the album and i guess that's what stuck out to me most like right away is like there's such a youthful vibe with all three of those topics right like with society he's he's there in the thick of it with fame like it's something he idolizes and with god it's just like youthful just like oh god's so great and he drove me to do this and now i'm gonna go out and change the world like it's such a different vibe than what we get on Jesus is King. And not, and not in a bad way, not that anything that Jesus is King is, is bad compared to those stuff in culture. But it just, it feels different. Like it feels like a much more mature take on all of those topics. Not to get too uh, high school English class, but I feel like we all had a lesson on William Blake, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. the the poet that had poems of innocence and poems of experience mm-hmm. uh, for example you have the chimney sweep and the one poem about the chimney sweep that's innocent is just like ah oh, we sweep chimneys and the other one about experience is like i have black lung from all the <laughs> like soot in the chimneys or you have the lamb and then the tiger similar structures similar topics but one is sweet and the other meditates on the deadly force of a tiger and the how that mesmerizes you Mm -hmm. there's something i think pretty fascinating in kanye's discography as you just pointed out when you look at the polls college dropout jesus is king the current final in quotes (laughs) of the uh discography you really do see that change in innocence versus experience and just the difference in not just how he talks about society, how he talks about fame, how he talks about God, but also just the mechanisms through which he talks about those things Mm -hmm. and the artistic techniques that he utilizes to discuss those things. It's from a much different place. I keep using this picture that I found online. If you Google uh, Pablo Picasso evolution, you get these series of pictures where Picasso at 14 is painting things that are so detailed of people, like just portraits of people that are very detailed and so beautiful. They look like the work of masters from 15th century, 16th century Italian art. Mm -hmm. And then you just see year by year into his 20s, into his 30s, into his 70s, the people deconstruct you get more of what's core to the human form and more impression about what the emotion is coming through through these very stylized means, whether that's the lines being curvy and weird, the faces being strange, the colors being brighter than what they would be in uh, the normal world. It's distorted in a way that still captures something that's Mm -hmm. elemental to the human being. And to see Picasso have that evolution from something that was very uh, detailed and normal and what we expect to something that was far more minimal and exaggerated, I feel like we see that same thing as we go through Kanye's entire discography. 
Yeah. I, yeah, totally. And I think this gets into something else that's really key when you go through Connie's discography is how good he gets at telling stories and how at first it is like kind of simple. Like there is a three act structure to the college dropout. You know, he starts in this low place, then like the ego overtakes him and he forgets like the reason why he was making music. And then he just rediscovers himself and realizes all the good his music can do. And, you know, sets out and does it and he, he makes a difference and yay that's that's great um but as you see this discography go on there's more fluidity i think to his album structures like graduation the way he moves between a, a similar structure where you know he sets out to do good and then falls prey to the pressures of celebrity and discovers its hollowness and then ends in a darker place and and thinking about my beautiful dark twisted fantasy where he literally falls into a fantasy and ends the album lost in the world something like the Jesus and the life of pablo which again have very traditional structures in a lot of ways but but feel more avant-garde in a lot of ways like you keep seeing him shift the way he tells his stories and i think jesus is keen represents it kind of reminds me of everything you're saying about picasso it suddenly to me doesn't feel like anything he's done like it has to me and we'll talk about the structure soon but, but i think that jesus king does have a sort of mirrored structure like a one or a five one five structure which is similar to a three one three structure of yay and kitsy ghost but it the way it, it moves and the way it flows and the way it mirrors itself it does kind of feel like that deconstruction of a person like you're talking about picasso's paintings it doesn't feel familiar anymore it, it, maybe it does in, in some ways and the fact that uh, it, it kind of has an arc and you can see s stories that have worked like that before, but it also feels something so outside of, of music, of typical album narrative structure and outside of anything Kanye's done and Kanye's reinvented the way he tells stories so many times that suddenly feels less like an evolution of what Kanye had been good at and the start of like something new, like him exploring a new side of himself, a new way to tell stories. It, I feel like we've seen that dynamic play out uh, as we go through like pairings of Kanye albums. Like you look at the college dropout and it's doing a lot of very interesting things with the soul sample sound and uh, the narrative aspects of it. But Kanye still at that early point of college dropout didn't have a lot of songs where he was doing all three verses, mm -hmm. especially where he was telling a story that went through all three verses. It was either something like Spaceship where he does one verse and then you have some guest features on it or something like All Falls Down where you have each verse being its own vignette that add together, but not something like on Late Registration, Gold Digger or Roses where he's telling one story from beginning to end over the course of the whole song. And I think you can see on College Dropout into late registration how he really masters, in a way, that soul sample approach and that narrative in a track approach that he was toying with on College Dropout. And then you go to graduation, and graduation is starting to explore more of the hollowness of fame and he's starting to get more into 
some of the minimalism and some of the each song capturing a specific idea that's necessary to the character development, like the ego of Barry Bonds, the ego of Can't Tell Me Nothing, uh, the ego of Everything I Am, the ego of Drunken Hot Girls. And I feel like that's expanded on then in 808s and Heartbreak. But 808s and Heartbreak goes way more minimal than any of the albums have been before. And as he's exploring this minimal soundscape and these minimal vibes and this minimal lyricism, he juxtaposes that then with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, where he goes maximal. And you're seeing him explore the range of, okay, this is me boiling everything down. This is me now expanding everything back out. And then I feel with Yeezus, you get a middle ground of both of those things. Then that goes into the life of Pablo, where now that he's balanced the minimal and maximal, you get Life of Pablo, which is very maximal, but each individual song still maintains this kind of 808s minimalism that wasn't so present on college on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy or even Yeezus. It's just fascinating to see him refine these techniques as he continues to go on. But Ye and Kitsy Ghost were very different, as you're saying, like getting to the 313 structure. And I feel like he was lacking some of the continuity on that album that we then mm-hmm. see him bring into Jesus as King. Totally. And that Jesus as King feels much more like that mastered approach to the mirrored structure that he first uh, tested out with Ye and Kitsy Ghosts. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Yeah, I actually have been thinking about that a lot lately. And you're right, Jesus is King has probably made me realize this, but because maybe we can get into the structure of Jesus is King. Like maybe it's a one, four, one, four, one structure. Maybe it's a five, one, five structure. But either way, you're seeing one half of the album mirror the other half with the middle song being a bit of the climax. And I don't think that's really the case with Yay, which makes it not that I think it makes it less powerful, but it makes me realize that like it makes me wonder what the real climax of the album is. Like obviously it's Ghost Town for uh Yay and it's probably Reborn for Kitsy Ghosts, but it's not like you get to the middle song and there's like a progression of events that have led to this pivot it kind of all just feels natural. Like it's going up, up, up. And when you look at it that way, like it kind of is pretty typical of a Kanye album, except there are only seven songs. So you're not going to get the same kind of journey and breadth that you would get with an 11th, 13 song, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy or a 20 song, the life of Pablo. Like it feels some of the tracks, I guess feel kind of stagnant to me in that way that like, okay, I can see the progression, but it's not, it kind of lacks that like, that powerful punch that you get from a runaway, you know, um, I, I don't think that's the case. If she's this keen, I, I feel like there's such a fluid journey here and such, um, such an easy to grasp journey, uh, uh, um, 
an arc that's happened with him, a progression that he started in one place and got to this new place. And it feels like you're, you're just in the shit with him while it's happening. Like you're reading his journal, you're buried in his thoughts while it's all going on. It's, it's such a contained micro moment. And I don't think it can be understated how impressive that is to do on an album. Like that is such a different kind of story to tell it it, because it has the typical story structure that you would expect, you know, five, one, five, like something very simple you can follow. But at the same time, like it's something so different and something so new for Kanye that diverts from what was lacking on Ye and Kitsy Ghost. I, I really do think those extra songs make such a difference just because, it, and it's only what, six minutes difference between right. Ye and, Ye and yeah, Jesus right. is King. But having that six minutes of just little added continuity and development mm-hmm. really adds to it because on Ye, you have the journey of uh, increasing darkness from I thought about killing you to yikes to all mine where he's in a contemplative state and starts to ramp up on yikes. You see that ramping up really take hold. And then the mania wins out at the end, followed by all mine, which is just him in mania mode. Then you get what it leave, which is this sudden pivot to him kind of waking up and being like, Oh God, <laughs> what have I done? Yeah. And then what follows you get him trying to be better, but everything's so quick soundscape wise just having on yay those two extra or having on jesus is king those two extra songs on each end that more fully develop the psychology mm-hmm. of the kanye character matters greatly um yeah and then that, also oh go ahead well as you say that that seems to be a lot of people's complaint about it is that while we get more songs, they're still short songs and it's there's not enough there. But I, I'm on board with you. I, I feel like more is there because there are more songs. Like there's more to dissect. There's more context provided. Like, okay, you don't get the nine minute epic runaway, but I feel like you and I could talk about everything we need just as long as we would talk about runaway. Like maybe it's not musically impressive and doesn't go to as many lengths, you know, musically and sonically, but there's so much to unpack because of where it fits in the album and because of everything he's putting around the ideas being expressed in each song. And to any new listeners, uh, 23 minutes into this episode, thank you for <laughs> continuing to listen. But two of the main things to understand about Kanye's approach to narrative and narrative art is that a lot of the depth that we get comes from the contrast between songs, the juxtaposition between songs, the intercontextuality. So what's set up in one song provides context for another song, right? So it's not just that, ah, oh, God it, or on God is like a story in and of itself. And that's what makes it a concept. It's that on God provides a look at the character's psyche at that time that then gets contrasted by the next song, everything we need. And by having that linear context build over the course of the album, we get insights into the character's psyche and can see the development of the character's psyche. And the second thing is he shows in the moment more than he tells. So it's not a speaker giving us a 
third person description about what happened to him like oh we're i was doing this and i was so upset and now i feel better (laughs) it's more in the moment like i am an egomaniac and i am feeling angry and blah 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 blah. and then the next song is you know what i feel better like i feel at peace and this is why i'm feeling at peace so you're lacking that zoom out that provides more of the storytelling context that some other albums have but you have it operating more than like a movie where you're watching the character in real time go through these things so when you're listening to the album with each track feeling like the scene in a movie rather than each track being a story being told to you by somebody or this is the the narrator kind of overviewing everything i think it makes a bit more sense when you go back and listen to the albums yeah totally sorry were you gonna say something before though uh, that was that i was gonna oh, okay. get into those things we're on the same wavelength <laughs> um anything else jump out to you during the discography listen um I, I think the one the the one big thing that became a runner through kanye's albums and i think it became much more prominent on graduation especially with like, I wonder is that, uh, the women on Connie's albums became a metaphor for fame. And I often think that the romances he has in his album, I mean, it's more than fame. Like they're metaphors for like everything. They're just metaphors for Kanye and everything he's struggling with. Really. It's a giant metaphor for like Connie struggled to be at peace with himself and find fulfillment in his career. Um, and I think that's one big thing I've noticed from the discography run is that the, the way he talks about women and what then, you know, in effect it's saying about his journey with fame and finding fulfillment in his profession, is kind of amazing. And it's, it's really sad actually like graduation 808s, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Jesus, like those are all very fraught relationships. It kind of never seems to be at peace with his career, you know, this career that he idolized in the college dropout. It's, it, it doesn't feel like he ever really captured what was he, what good he could do with his career until he learned to be at peace with himself. And I think that's kind of what we get as the end of Jesus with bound Two heading into the life of Pablo, an album where he discovers that he needs to be a good father, a good husband. He needs to be good to the people in his life before he can be healthy, before he can be good to himself, which is why I think we then get Ye and Kitsy Ghost, which are very internal journeys. Somebody who's look, learning to, you know, work past his demons, overcome his demons. All, the way he's approached fame has been very interesting to me because it's become less about succumbing to the pressures of fame and learning to be the celebrity everybody wants you to be and more about being the celebrity you find fulfilling that puts you in a good place that makes you think you're doing good in the world. And once again, I think Jesus is King expands on that in such an incredible way because it's no longer a story like yay and Kitsy Ghost are still stories to an extent, even though they speak truths about Kanye, it's him fitting his journey into something easily digestible, like something we could just follow and get. Jesus is King feels very honest and personal and in the moments. And uh, it, it suddenly feels like it, 
I feel good for Kanye by the end of the album because he struggles a lot through the album. But by the end, it, it feels like somebody who's kind of accepted his role. Like he's sad about some of the the aspects of fame and the way people treat him. But I think God has allowed him to finally see what good he can do with his fame and to look past his haters and the people who decry him and tell him how to live his life. Like for the first time in this whole discography journey, it feels like he has a good relationship with fame. I I love that point that you just made about the the contrast between the earlier depictions of fame and now, because it really does feel like if these albums are journals, right? That so much of his discography was him detailing the damage he was suffering. Mm. And in those ways was almost a, a cry for help. Going back at this point and listening to Graduation, listening to 808s and Heartbreak, listening to My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, they're incredibly pretty as mm -hmm. just music and albums, but really, really fucking sad Gosh, as so somebody. Sad. Yeah, like this is what's being done to me. This is the damage I'm suffering from. This is how I'm like feeling. To then have the upswing that we have with Bound 2 at the end of Yeezus, where he finally considers that he might have love, that he might finally be at a place where he's not going to fuck it up. <laughs> he still could. <laughs> like you ever ask your bitch for other bitches. But <laughs> he could finally have love. And then the life of Pablo where he chooses love, he chooses family. But even when he decides that he can be a messenger and have this change in how he's approaching fame and celebrity, you're still having St. Pablo and the album with the question, where is God in your nightlife? Like still this question of, I may have got my days in order, but how do I get my nights in order? There's still this, this unease at the end of that album. And then in Yay, you really have him grappling with his mental health and kids see ghosts with his depression and trying to figure out, okay, how do I get into a better spot with these? And there's hope, but there still isn't necessarily mm -hmm. catharsis. And it's not until you get to Jesus is King that you get a sense of peace and just a sense of like positivity that I really, 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 really don't think we've heard <laughs> since hey mama yeah and I, yeah i totally that's, agree that's beautiful like that's so cathartic and so satisfying to reach and i love that the album seems to be a microcosm of that so much tension up front followed then by the release that follows everything we need and water into uh god is and hands-on uses gospel and jesus is lord yeah, I, yeah, that that peace, that sense of completeness, it you're right, has not been achieved. I, I agree that it has the, uh, the upness of like a Hey Mama song, like because that song is so happy. But I would say that album wise, nothing's felt this complete and whole since the college dropout. And, and you know, he's young on the college dropout. Maybe he probably doesn't have everything figured out back then, but. It, it feels like he thinks he does, right? Like he got to this good place and there's last call and it, it's a fucking celebration that Connie created the college dropout. And that album hinges on this three act structure where at the end of the first act, you get Jesus walks and never let me down two songs 
where Connie finds inspiration through God. And I just, there has not been an album where that's happened again. And I think that's why those two albums are like the most complete, the where it ends and you think like, man, this guy, like he's on a good journey right now, as opposed to like the end of graduation where you're like, fuck, like his city abandoned him and his big brother abandoned him. And the end of 808s where his mom's dead. And the end of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy where he's lost in the world. Like, no, these two albums where he's exploring his relationship with God and living by God's word, like he feels good at the end. And that's why I think Jesus King is the true first true gospel album he's made. I know he called the life of Pablo a gospel album, but I don't think that album is necessarily about his relationship with God. He he finds inspiration from God. Ultra light beam provides this overview and something he wants to attain and, and is a big reason of why he becomes better to his family. But it isn't until you know, the end of Kitsy Ghost where he finally says, Lord, shine your light on me. Save me, please. Like that, that connection still has not happened. If he's asking for God to shine his light on him, he still has not found that connection with God again that he had in the college dropout. And that's what we get on Jesus is King. That's why, that's why you feel good for him at the end. Yeah. And man, there's so much on Jesus is King. That's when you're listening through the discography like that, that just has that sense of catharsis and, I guess two last things that I want to note from my discography listen (laughs) is the way that graduation really stood out to me in a way that it hadn't before. Like I've, I've loved graduation for years now, even though when we started the podcast, it was (laughs) lowest on my, on my totem. I finally, I finally was able to start appreciating it and understanding it more than I ever had before, especially when we realized that it was a, a narrative album but there was something listening to it that it felt larger in a lot of ways than college dropout and late registration to me and almost more coherent like there not that every song had a similar sound but there seemed to be more unifying elements to me in graduation that i don't know enough about music theory to mm. comment on but it was just a sense that i got and i felt like you could see him refining that sense of unity over time until Jesus is King really felt like the synthesis of so many of the aspects, like I said earlier, that he had been building on and working towards. But the second thing that really stood out to me was just how monumental the life of Pablo was. And Mm. I know people tend to say, a lot of people tend to think my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is going to go down as Kanye's like masterpiece but in listening to the discography (laughs) my beautiful dark twisted fantasy almost felt smaller and simpler compared to the life of Pablo and it seemed to fit in with the size and scope of the other albums that are then just dwarfed by the life of Pablo even Yeezus felt smaller to me than it tends (laughs) to typically yeah, and I think a big part of that is I completely agree. I think the life of Pablo is Connie's masterpiece, and you know we're talking about Jesus King out completely diverts from album structure and typical stories. While Connie kind of does have a typical story between Ultralight Beam and Wolves, it kind of isn't really a typical structure at all because you get that back half of the album or back like third of the album, and 
I guess everything Connie's exploring, like the way he, he goes back in time and looks at the beginning of his career and kind of goes up to now and how he's fading into this new person. And he added the St. Pablo afterwards. Like there's so much about that album that feels bigger than just like an album narrative, like more than just a story, more than just like a collection of songs. It's yeah. I don't know. We're just, we're getting to nerdy <laughs> just accolades at this point, but that yeah. album, man, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, any last thoughts before Jesus King, more specific discussion? No, let's do it. All right. So Jesus is King, more specific discussion, uh, initiate. <laughs> Pew. <laughs> oh, a heavenly light shines down on us. Oh. Is that blasphemous to say? <laughs> no, Jesus is keen and he wants us to talk about this album. <laughs> so, man, I'm excited because I, the thing that I get most hype about is just the, the structure, right? And the narrative aspects of it, the concept of it. Like yeah. I know other people, it's the lyrics that are most important to them and actually the poetry of the uh, lyricism or the production aspects. Uh, to me, it's it's the whole and how those individual moments serve the whole. And I do think up front, the thing that stands out to me about Jesus is King is that I feel like it, Kanye has gotten more literary than poetic. Mm. So while a lot of the lines don't have the same poetry as College Dropout, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, they still have a lot more depth from their allusions, the references, the inner contextuality, uh, all of those things where you might have something that's very simple and almost like crude, like, oh, taxes. <laughs> but it's how that plays into everything else that I think is so powerful and makes it a line that's fascinating rather than just, ah. Oh. Same thing with the close on Sunday or not the close on Sunday's line, but uh, the Chick-fil-A line that so many people have a problem with. Like, is it great poetry? No, but is it great character development? And is it great contrast to the mindset that he should have? And is it indicative of the issues with his perspective on religion that the character at this part of the album has? I really think so, which makes that line so much more fascinating. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I had never thought about it. I never framed it as like being better literary, um, but I, that makes sense because I think a, a big complaint people have about Kanye at this point is not just like the shortness of his songs, but kind of like the how succinct some of his lines can be and how he seems to just get to the point more, which I don't think is entirely true. But like, I, I know what they mean that Kanye's lyrics feel more contained and um, and I think you're kind of hitting on why that is, is that it, it's more to him about telling a grander story and about providing context and providing insight to, to this part of the journey and how it will help something later make sense. Like to him, it's about telling stories and it doesn't necessarily mean having these long poetic passages which I think people had really gotten used to, you know, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, even Jesus to an extent, people expect these kind of big epic songs from Kanye. And I think he's at this point where, I mean, Jesus is King, the longest song is like three and a half minutes. <laughs> like, it, and this is what I mean when I say like, 
we could talk about everything we need as much as we talk about runaway because just because the lines are shorter and because he's getting more to the point there's more packed into each of those lines there's so much context it's providing there's so much surrounding each of those thoughts that pertain to the bigger whole that it's you, it just requires a, a different listening experience, I think, because you're not going to get a Mabufa Dark Twisted Fantasy anymore from Connie. Maybe we will someday, but right now, and the place he's in, and the story he's trying to tell, like these are the kind of songs he's giving us. These are the kind of lyrics he's giving us. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, I know a lot of people point towards Kanye's lyrical height being gorgeous for my beautiful dark twisted mm -hmm. fantasy just because the imagery of those lines he has so many vignettes in there just these little moments that are capsule moments in and of themselves that add up throughout the the track and there's so much poetry in how he's framing everything and that's great to discuss and listen to it's beautiful to hear but it doesn't necessarily have the same depth in some ways, like that literary depth that mm -hmm. something like water might have where you get his passage. That's not very poetic at all and is very brief, but in the context of everything that's being discussed, there's so much to discuss and so much to unpack just yeah. from what he mentions. And it's just in the word choice, I guess a biblical example and for, Give me to everybody well-versed in the Bible because <laughs> I'm, I'm catching up and catching up in very like small ways. But one of the most famous passages and perhaps the most famous one happens during the story of Lazarus. Uh, Jesus shows up and Lazarus has died and Jesus looks around and sees all of Lazarus's friends and family and their sorrow that they've lost this person that they love and he feels such emotion based on their emotion that you get this verse chapter what do they call the sections of the bible <laughs> chapters and then verses are within the chapters okay so you have the chapter that's just jesus wept and that's it it's the shortest one in the bible that's all that it says and that's not poetic right the line in and of itself is it this like beautiful flowing thing but what you know of the character what you know of what the character can do what you know about the context that jesus is in at that time it makes those two words so powerful in the moment and i think that's really where kanye's discography gets to and what where we see the power derived from from jesus as king is in that literary uh, depth in that literary beauty. Oh man, we're getting in deep already. So, I mean, obviously I am also not very well versed in the Bible. I mean, I I've, I've read the Bible and I'm very interested in it, but I can't claim to like be an expert in it or anything, but we keep getting emails from people who are, <laughs> which is awesome. Send me all the emails you want. I will read them. Um, we got one email from a guy named Emilio who described the structure of Jesus King as a chiasm 
which is basically, you know, a mirrored structure, A, B, C, B, A. And uh, he also sent a video that is, God, what is it called? The Art of Biblical Poetry. And it's and the video talks about how, you know, the Bible is a huge story and each, uh, each chapter is telling a story. But a lot of the times the stories are told through poetry. And it's not that they're vague, but the stories are kind of told in these short lines and you really just get context for things. And, and if it's using beautiful imagery and very poetic words, like it's, it's amazing to read it. It's very well done, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's kind of short and to the point a lot of the times and is really painting a scene more than it's getting into like minute detail, like maybe like gorgeous would. <laughs> um, and I think that's interesting to think that's the way Kanye's going with the way he's writing songs is that, um, you know, these chiasms it, in Hebrew poetry, they're, they're considered to be that that kind of structure is considered to be more of meditative li literature. And it, it is telling a story, but at the end of the day, it's meant to be something you kind of steep in and you're supposed to read each line and understand each line and understand how this line pertains to the line after it. And it's more about becoming part of the story as opposed to like, like you're saying on gorgeous where it's this big grand epic point and there's so many points being hit and there's so much imagery. Like it's kind of less about that. It's, it's more about being meditative and reflecting on yourself and reflecting on the words and thinking about the words. And I think that's why we're getting these kinds of sounds from Kanye because that's what he's going through. You know, he's reading the Bible and that's what's influencing the way he writes. Yeah, I this is the kind of stuff that I get way too excited about. <laughs> and just to compare this like chiastic structure to the kind of structure we're familiar with in modern literature and cinema is mm -hmm. that we're used to uh, the initial like introduction to people, places, things, the character. And then we go off on the inciting action. And then the journey that follows, all building to the climax. And then the climax happens three-fourths of the way through the story, typically, uh, or like nine-tenths. And then you get the denouement, which is just the coming down from everything that kind of wraps up all the plot points. And then the story ends. So it's it's constantly like build, 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 climax, uh, wrap everything up and end. But the chiastic structure, as you mentioned, has this A, B, C, B, A rhythm to it that can really be extended. But the climax is in that middle portion. So you get more of a uh, triangle look to it where you build up peak and then you come down the other side, but it's mirrored on either side. And one of just the basic examples that's on, on the Wikipedia page, but is the story of Noah especially talking about like the Hebrew Bible and Hebrew poetry and the story of Noah essentially goes, you have Noah and his sons at the beginning and then that's the life on earth, the floods being announced, they build the ark, the creatures, uh, food, all the preparations and everything entering the ark, the water increases. And then God remembers Noah being the tipping point. And then it's after that you get the water decreasing, exiting the ark, what happens to the animals, rediscovering food, getting back to all the creatures, like saying goodbye to the ark. 
and then saying goodbye to the flood and everything kind of goes back to how it was and you're left with Noah and his sons. And as you're saying, having that reflection and meditation by starting in one place and going on the journey to the tipping point and then going on the opposite journey of returning things to the state that they were previous at, previously mm -hmm. at, but being changed by that first portion and having the juxtaposition of the two on either side, it really does allow for you to compare what this meant before all of this and now what does this mean after everything. And I think that structure is very cool. Yeah. I mean, again, it's something very new from Kanye to where it, I, I think we usually frame most of Kanye's stories in the context of like the hero's journey and the hero's journey is like a classic literary device um, where you start in, you know, the ordinary world and then you're called to your adventure and you go through all these obstacles and you have a moment of, you know, retrograde where you don't think you can do it. And then something pushes you, you know, drives you to get back into your journey and you complete it. And you're a master of both worlds by the end. Like that's something we can all recognize as we often note. It's something you see in literally every single Adam Sandler movie. Um, yeah, every yeah. Star Wars movie, Lord of the Rings movie, Harry Potter, Harry Potter movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, this is this isn't doing that. This this is something very. I hate to use the word fluid, uh, but it, it kind of is where it, it you you start not necessarily in a low place, but Kanye, I think, in the first half of the album, um, being very angry and maybe not being the best kind of Christian in quotes, it, it, like in a, a best kind of Christian in his eyes anyway, by the end of the album, the, the kind of Christian he should be somebody who's still kind of being warped by society and allowing his frustrations to overtake him um, until, you know, water literally comes in and washes it away and he's reborn. And I think through the second half of the album, you see all of that wash away. Like you see him, becoming the kind of Christian he wants to be and being at peace of himself. And that's not really the hero's journey at all. Like it's not that typical story structure you see in an Adam Sandler movie. It's, it's something just very personal. And while that sounds like, as I'm saying it, that doesn't sound too crazy, right? Like that's a lot of journeys people go on, but that's not really a typical way to tell a story at all. No, this chiastic structure is, not normal in the mainstream so yeah, much. right in western literature say yeah yeah right it's most tv episodes don't use it most movies don't use it it's something that i didn't actually understand was a structure until we started looking into this and it's something i really wish we saw more of mm -hmm. because i feel like so many movies show us where somebody was and then something changes and now you think they're going to be better, but not what happens after we kind of end at that top point rather than really getting to explore what follows the journey. Mm -hmm. And I really want to know what happens after so much more than what we get. So I'm hoping this does become a structure that we see. That's just more of an aside on me being critical of art, but I like it and I hope it gets used more there's something about that structure that like makes me really happy. Like, like the idea that a climax can be in the middle of something. Cause usually the climax comes towards the end. Uh, 
where like there's finally there's supreme ordeal and you overcome something and then like the end happens and like you end like in a high place but in a chaotic structure a good thing happens in the middle and kind of good things keep happening like maybe not all good th- only good things happen from now on but you're in a good place and for the second half of a story you're learning how to fit yourself into a world with this new good mindset that makes you feel good it makes you feel healthy it makes you feel like you've done the right thing that is not very typical like most stories are plagued by like turmoil and hardship and obstacles and while all that is there of jesus king i i think with i think something kind is exploring is that he feels good about the place he's at being a christian so the first half of the album is him not in a good place the second half is in a good place bad things might happen in the second half but he's he's found a part of himself that is it's different and more whole and i don't know that just that, that makes you feel good to like think about a story being like that right you look at closed on sunday and closed on sunday has such a defensive spirit to it like there's fear of people that are going to corrupt his family there's a fear of social media and there's not trust and Kanye's wanting to fight everybody that proves any kind of threat whatsoever but then you look at the different attitude on the mirrored song which is god is and on god is there's such calm and such faith and belief and Kanye even talks about his family at the end and there's just trust rather than fear and in that place of trust he's no longer trying to fight everybody he's Mm -hmm. just getting to have this beautiful counterpoint to everything yeah and i think the the thing that gets me most excited about this is as somebody who's not like super invested in like plot in movies and stories where like to me an interesting plot isn't nearly as good as how good you are at telling that story i'm much more interested in like how a story makes me feel in kind of the tonal shifts in it and that's what i love about this chiastic structure is it's not necessarily that you know psalm 2 directly mirrors psalm 10 in terms of language and lyrics and imagery like you can pick out specific pieces like oh that relates to that this oh i can see the connections here to me it's more of a tonal reflection how kane on salah is probably the most detached from his christianity and the good he can do with it and doing the most good he could possibly do with it by use this gospel it's something and it's what you hear in him in the music during those moments that to me is where the real power comes from and we're a show that we know we're going to go through all the lyrics and we'll point out any connections but that's what i got to encourage when you listen to the album and when we play the clips like just notice the tonal shifts between songs two and ten besides three and nine like it's there it's it you know from everything we need to water like that sound of water like washing everything like it really does feel like things are getting better and things are shifting and Kanye is discovering who he is as a Christian through the sound of each song. It's incredible. Yeah, it really, it really is. I love that we start in a place. And I think this is the thing that we're going to really get into as we start to explore like the, the line by line stuff, like, Oh, now I do remember what I was going to say, but as we explore the, the line by line stuff, we're going to be able to point out uh, some ways in which this album 
really builds and the key aspects are just every hour in Jesus is Lord. And while the meat of it is between those songs that those two are really the guiding tracks on this album because every hour really sets out the concept or it sets out a place that you need to be. You need to reach this point where every minute, every hour, every second you're praising God to be able to bring his power down. And you see that for the first part of the album, that power is missing in some ways. There's still that fear. There's still Kanye talking about himself and praising himself in a lot of ways. And then when you move into the second half, the praise just ramps up and ramps up until you finally get to Jesus as Lord, which fulfills what he needed, the point that he needed to reach on every hour. And just being able to see him go from that initial place of, hey, can you reach this point to him reaching that point? I think it's such a cool journey. Yeah, it's incredible. And, and, and again, just the instrumentation and the sound of each one, just how every hour there's no Kanye. It's just a choir and the choir sped up. And there's not that it's like a manic energy or anything, but it, it creates this tone of like, something Kanye's not a part of, something that's kind of daunting to him. And then it ends with Jesus is King, which is full of instrumentation and just Kanye singing to God and, and singing until the Lord comes down, like literally fulfilling what every hour was asking him to do in a way. It's, you know, again, tonally, musically, sonically, that all is really fascinating. Something Kanye's very conscious of as a, as a storyteller, as an album launch storyteller. Mm. Um, oh man, I'm going to be so excited to talk about the transition and the use of Kenny G into <laughs> Jesus is Lord and the amount of brass instruments that we then mm. get on Jesus is Lord and the meaning of that. Ah, that's 10 um, weeks from now, <laughs> but real fast. I did want to note that and maybe this is a little ancillary, but you had mentioned, and we had talked about the fact that there's, uh, fear or tension on the front half followed by confidence and peace in the second half, like unsure of how to be a Christian and then sure of how to be a Christian um, or unsure of how to express your faith and then feeling more sure of it. And we've talked about before that Jesus and to pimp a butterfly actually end up going over a lot of similar territory. Um mm. But To Pimp a Butterfly is much more telling about a lot of the experiences and has more of that narration and lets you in on how it's commentary on um, modern culture and modern black culture in America and how America kind of twists us Mm -hmm. and contorts us into not necessarily being our best selves and the power that music can have, the power that faith can have and the responsibility that all of us have to kind of carry on for the next generation um, in order to create change, in order to create better places. I feel like in some ways that Jesus is King and damn end up covering similar ground as well, but just much different mechanisms in doing it. Like Jesus used uh, historical references that a lot of people are like, why does he keep referring to <laughs> the civil rights movement over and over again? And it's a motif. He's weaving it into 
what the character is doing to show the impact of those things on his current time, but also his attempts in the current time to live up to those great actions and maybe the sense of failure that he has the same way that Kendrick was trying to live up to Tupac and his idols on Tampa Butterfly. But Dam really explored this idea of wickedness and faith, uh, a negative behavior and positive behavior, karma, right? And how that gets expressed on that album and seeing the way in which if you move from negative to positive, amazing things can happen. But if you move from positive to negative, you get corrupted, then you can end up dying. I feel like Jesus is King almost has a similar look into what happens when you're trying to live through fear and what happens when you're living through that faith and that confidence and that positive karma. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. It, it kind of is pretty similar to Dam in a lot of ways. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> two greats just fucking doing it yeah right it's just amazing to see uh, that's the cool thing about art like two artists can write about the same thing paint the same thing make songs about the same thing but their personal aesthetics and personal touches can change entirely how those things are approached and addressed and the experience that you get from each one Wow. I mean, we're getting to something different here. Maybe that's not for this podcast, but it does make me wonder if Dam has a chiastic structure. And it's kind of amazing how, you know, you can listen to the album forward or backwards. Like that seems to make sense with the chiastic structure. You can look at a story in two different ways. Either it's the downfall or the rise of somebody. Aha. Cole <laughs> Femi. Ah. Maybe chiastic they know structure. Know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tweet at him right now. Like, Tell us everything you know about chiastic structure and dam. I think the other cool thing about the chiastic structure too, is that especially knowing that chiasms are meant to be meditative literature, that it maybe I'm just thinking this because I have the album on loop every time I listen to it, but it kind of works in that way when you, when you do that, like to watch somebody go through those motions, because I think one of the great things about Kanye is he's always learning and working on himself and he's never, he's never reached this point where he's like, Oh, I got to figure it out. I'm good. He seems to always have this crisis of faith of, uh, with himself and the way he is and always is working on ways to fix it. Like when this album exists in a loop and because it has that chiastic structure and it keeps going through those motions, like, I don't know, that's kind of, maybe that's why I keep listening to it. On, it's not just because I have a Kanye West podcast. Like it kind of makes sense that way. Yeah. That cycle, right? Because mm -hmm. I feel like you're never just good. <laughs> yeah. Like you can reach a great place in a great streak, but there's always ups and downs. There's always kind of losing your way and coming back to the path. It's like in meditation, you're supposed to focus on your breath and let all your thoughts kind of drift away. But no matter how many times you meditate, how long you meditate, there's always going to be a time where your thoughts reintrude. You lose mm -hmm. focus on the breath and start thinking again. And then you have to push the thoughts away and come back to it. And I feel like there's something similar then with your relationship with faith. Like you can reach this great place of praise, 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 praise. It's every hour, every minute. And then kind of get drawn back into maybe old behaviors and old ways 
Evan need to have that reminder of like, no, no, I got to get back into this mindset. And the album on a loop like that becomes very, I don't know, reflective of the cyclical nature of just day-to-day existence. Meditation. I got to get into meditation. Meditate, Travis. Headspace. (laughs) You know, Headspace app, if you want to sponsor us. (laughs) We're always looking to make some money off our favorite people. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm excited to to talk about everything and really get into some of the more nuance of the lines because I think we've overall gotten to the a good understanding of the macro. But every time we've yeah, we feel that way and then we dive into the specifics. Like <laughs> when we first started Life of Pablo, we really thought Saint Pablo was a much more positive and cathartic song yeah. than what it ended up being. <laughs> And we didn't realize a lot of the nuance on uh, Fade either Yeah, that was cool to discover. So that's the other thing is that every it seems like every single Kanye album ends negatively, not necessarily negative, but like in this low place of this. And maybe that's even the wrong way to position it, but like in a place where Kanye's like at a crossroads where it, it feels like maybe he's figuring stuff out, but then like something happens and he's not sure where to go like gosh coldest winter big brother lost in the world maybe not bound to uh <laughs> saint pablo like even something like violent crimes where Kanye is like realizing he needs to be a better dad like he's thinking about his daughter's future he's kind of just thinking about how he could screw it up and on cutting montage like okay yes he's asking for the lord to shine his light at him but he hasn't found that light yet. And uh, a sample from Kurt Cobain is playing the whole time. And Kurt Cobain committed suicide. Like that, that ghost is there. Like there's not, it's not necessarily all positive in a way that I think kind of happens on Jesus is King where yes, there are things Kanye still wants to fix, but it doesn't feel like he's at a crossroads anymore. It feels like he's, he's reached this peak and that, you know, he's finally taken that next step to becoming better. Yeah. Uh, really, there's, uh, which just comes back to that sense of peace that we talked about and this really feeling like it is a turning point in a lot of ways. I know people talked about how the life of Pablo would have been a perfect end to Kanye's discography and Oof. then that Ye could have been a, a great end to Kanye's discography. But I feel like Jesus is king. Not that I don't want him to ever make another album. Yeah. But if this was the last like real studio album that we got from Kanye, uh, if he's off making just like collaboration albums after this or uh, Jesus is born more choir albums after this, I think it would be very, very fitting as the conclusion. Mm-hmm. No, but, but we'll get 20 more albums from him. Yeah, that's not very chiastic structure, though, right? <laughs> like, this would be the point. Now we have to see him, yeah. like, go do everything now in the spirit of that, which, weirdly enough, I feel like he's starting to do. Like, he's trying to reframe his past and his past work and mm-hmm. past happenings through his his faith as he's talked about redoing songs in a, a more christian way uh 
the follow God video that he did is really a recreation of his Otis video with Jay-Z and him really taking something that was all about his old life and making it through the frame of his new life. Mm -hmm. It's going to be interesting to see if he continues to maybe explore that as his aesthetic going forward. Hmm. Well, until then though, let's dissect the fuck out of Jesus's cane. Yeah, let's do it. We're if gonna... anything was blasphemous, that was it. Jesus. <laughs> We're gonna style and profile our way through uh, <laughs> top tier analysis of Jesus is King from beginning to end, and really illuminates what Kanye did on this album, and maybe along the way be joined by I don't know some special interviews along the way, some uh, special guests some bonus episodes mm-hmm. we'll see who we talk to maybe we'll get jordan c johnson in here oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> if you're a new listener and you don't know jordan you will soon yeah just go listen to our lift yourself episode <laughs> the resident troll uh but he says good things you know sure he's a smart man <laughs> i haven't gathered that from our song tournament episodes but okay yeah so we're excited to have you uh on this journey with us into season 10 and if you have any uh questions concerns insights you can find us on twitter at kanye podcast on instagram at kanye podcast on youtube at kanye podcast and uh reach out to us yeah uh but until then stay wavy and loopy and holy Oh, and holy. (laughs) And I am. And they ask me, they ask me, they ask me, I tell them. Raise your glasses, your glasses, your glasses to the sky. This is the last call for alcohol. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.